Praise God. Isn't he wonderful today? Amen. God is so good. As Sister Lisa just mentioned, it is Mother's Day, and we say Happy Mother's Day to everyone out there who is a mom. And I like what she said, who helps being a mom. Man, you know how many church moms we had uh, just with two kids? Amen. Let alone uh, just with some that have more than two. Amen. I won't mention their names, but we do appreciate brother and sister Matt and Allie Locke and the cons. Oh, I did. Amen. Why don't you right now just go to a mom, go to someone right now and, and wish them a happy Mother's Day. If you would like to do that, you are welcome to do that. Happy Mother's Day, Sister Karina. She just came in. Happy Mother's Day to all that are out there in the, uh, the web land of live streaming. Amen. We love you and appreciate you. And thank you for watching Apostolic Praise live today on whatever platform you are in. Or on, I should say, because we're in the platform now. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about because you're just sitting down. Isn't God great? Great. You know, the uh, the message today is dead or alive. Uh, Andy reminded me that on, when was it, last Sunday or Thursday Thursday night? And, uh, and I, I come up here and I look at these batteries. There's four batteries up here. And I thought, man, I could have just used that, and I could have done it in five minutes. Hey, man, I, you'll, you'll see. I might even bring them up uh, again, but you know what? I, I, uh, this, this battery might be dead, but it's still there. Right? And it depends who you talk to. That's going to stay forever in a land uh, landmine, uh, a, a dump somewhere, right? A land, uh, landfill. There you go. Thank you very much. How many used to get in the truck with their parents or their dad and drive to the, the dump? Oh, yeah. That was the thing back in the day, right? Yeah, just you just uh, you just go to the dump. Amen. You go there, and uh, it's just hills and mounds of treasure as if you're a kid. Amen. But eternity, eternity, you're going to be either in heaven or you're going to be in a dump. But you're going to be there. You might be dead, but you might be, you want to be alive. And that's what our lesson is about today and a bunch of other stuff. Human beings, we were created as living souls. We see this in the first couple chapters of Genesis uh, where there's a couple different perspectives on uh, the creation of people. Uh, the first is found in the first chapter of Genesis towards uh, uh, the middle to end, reveals both male and female were created in the image of God. Both share equal blessings and responsibilities. The second account is located in the, uh, the second chapter, and it stresses the material or immaterial 
not physical part of human existence. We have physical, and then we have the spirit or immaterial. Physically, humans are made from the earth. Their immaterial component comes from the breath of life. Aren't you glad that God created us, but he also, not only did he form us, he breathed life into us by his, it's just through our nostrils. These two accounts are portrayed in a hopeful, Sister Bruce, and positive way. That's how they, so when we look at these, when we see the creation, it is an encouragement. It's hopeful. It's positive. There's no sin stuff right there. There's nothing to do with that right there at that moment when God created them. That was a, a glorious, joyous thing to do. Sister Bruce was saying she likes positive people. I do too. I do too. Though we were made of earth, which was created by God, humans are more closely related to the creator than any other created thing. God breathed into human nostrils. And because we are the image of God, we are an extremely blessed and capable people. Amen. That uh, pastor's not here. Oh, he is coming here. I said I didn't have anything Mother's Day. Uh, to say because, you know, he's going to do that, right? But mothers are extremely blessed, and they are very capable. And and I, I know it's a cliche. I don't want to be funny, but we can't. We couldn't live without them. I mean, I, I'm so thankful for my mom and 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 how she raised me. Amen. And I, there were some things that I wasn't thankful for, um, but I am so glad she uh, helped that part. She was very capable in that area. But to be made God in God's image includes the fact that we possess the power of choice. Since God has the freedom to choose, so do we. And because of this, God warned Adam and Eve to avoid the one thing that would destroy them. In Genesis 2, chapters 16 and 17, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Both Adam and Eve used their freedom of choice to what we know. They disregarded God's words. They both suffered the consequence of death. I really like these batteries. I'm so sorry, but I like that. These bad, I don't know if they're, John or somebody could tell me, but let's just say they're dead, but they are here. Adam and Eve died spiritually that day, but they were still there. They were still there. Biblical references to death are always about a kind of separation. The death of a human is not about the end of existence. I like these. Every person born will exist forever. And when a person dies, that person's material and immaterial components are separated. James 2, verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
Adam did not become a living soul until God breathed life into him. The human body is lifeless without the spirit. Upon their sin in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve experienced spiritual death. They were separated from the fellowship of God. They were expelled from the garden. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. It was a spiritual death. The Garden of Eden continued, uh, contained, I'm sorry, many trees, but only one, or sorry, only two, we knew that they picked of one, but only two had special significance. The tree of life was there to provide an opportunity for Adam and Eve to live forever. The tree of knowledge of good and evil gave them an opportunity to exercise their freedom of choice. Without choice, their relationship with God could not be meaningful. People, man, I just, I, that argument is so old nowadays. You're a robot. What are you talking about? I'm a robot. I can choose because I've chose wrong a lot of times. If I was a robot, I, man, I, I wouldn't choose. I'm sure I would just be just moving right along, you know. When you go into a room, woo, choir starts singing and the light comes shining down. We'd be perfect, wouldn't we? Because God would have made us that way. But he gave us a choice because we were made in his image. So the tree of knowledge and good of Good and evil gave them an opportunity to exercise their freedom of choice. You notice I didn't say wrong choice. This is another thing that came to me while I was doing this lesson. Just because God gives us a choice doesn't mean we have to pick the wrong choice. It may be easier, but that is the whole crutch of it all. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's, it's, are we going to pick the hard way, the easy way, or the God way? You know, sometimes we see the hard way, and uh, this is a tangent here I'm going out on, but with God, it becomes easy. He gives us the strength to pull through, no matter what it is, no matter hard how hard in life uh, uh, something uh, gets for you, no matter what happens. Maybe you lost a loved one. A, a husband or a wife or a mother or a daughter, a son, a baby. With, if you choose God, your experience, your trial, your, your walk will become easier. We, I think I wrote this somewhere down there uh, later on, but let me just put it right now. Uh, I, you of all know backsliders, right? They have a choice. As soon as they stop going to church, even though we know it doesn't happen overnight, that backsliding is something that slowly creeps in. As soon as they, as soon as they get out of church, they just make wrong choices. They do. They just make wrong choices. We had a very, very close friends of ours, uh, and, and we just started doing stuff. The kids were about the same age and all that. 
and they just up and moved, and just, he was pastoring, just gone, just left the church. They, they went out somewhere uh, and just started going, doing anything they wanted to do and call it charismatic. And, you know, and the first thing, uh, whether, I can't remember if, I guess it had to be Facebook way back in the day, or maybe it was just pictures or something, but what happens? The clothes start changing, right? The hair is gone. So it's like a, 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 you know, it's a rebellious spirit. And that helps you make the wrong choices. Whew. Okay, I'm going to bring it back in. So God loved Adam and Eve. He wanted them to love him in, in return. But love is meaningful only when it is a choice. You can't make somebody love you. You can't. If you're in a relationship where you are forced, you need to seek help because you can't do that. If, if, if you go to a church or then that somebody drags you and forces you to do something, to pray, you, I've been there, done that. Not UPC, I'm just talking about, but then, then that's wrong. And that, that you can't love a God because they're, that's what they're portraying him as. After uh, their sin, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the, uh, the garden to prevent them from eating from the tree of life and living forever. The tree of life was not there to impart eternal life or salvation. It was there to preserve Adam and Eve from physical death. They could not continue to inhabit the garden in a state of rebellion against God. And I will tell you this, for a person who's backslid, and you've heard the story too, bishop, pastor, uh, friends, people that have been out, everybody probably in this place, I'm not worthy, I'm not going to go to church. I've messed up, I'm not going to go. Why, why am I going to go when I'm messed up? And that is the perfect opportunity to impart on them the power and the love of God and his encouragement and the power of choice that we have, that we can, that he loved us, that he died for us because of that specific thing. My thing, yes, because of your deal and your trial you're going through, God hung on a cross for you, for your sin. From the earliest days of human history, relationship with God was made possible by faith, not by eating from a tree. Relationship with God was made possible by and through faith, not because they ate or not ate of a tree. The connection between sin and death is seen in Romans 6, 23. We know the scripture. We know that it's a familiar, famous uh, verse. For the wages of sin is death. Instead of physical death, which everyone will experience, the death mentioned in Romans 6 is a separation from fellowship with God. And Adam and Eve found out. You go up to your smoke detector at home and you take out the unenergized, unfull battery and you separate, you throw it in the little trash or you take it down to a store, Lowe's or somewhere like that and recycle it. You separate and, and their death 
was a separation from God. Romans 5.12, wherefore, by as one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The consequence of sin upon humanity was universal death. Is that, that's, a, that's a kind of a new word or a new phrase I, I, uh, I just learned. It's universal death. It's not out there in the, in the ether yet, so I didn't pick it up from anywhere. This is not a reference to physical death, but a separation from the fellowship with God. Adam was created as a mortal being, a, mor- a mortal being. Only by eating of the tree of life could he live forever in the physical body. Scripturally, death is not extinction, but it is separation. Sometimes we forget that, that when we're witnessing to someone, and, and, and you know, we, it, it is, we, we are hopefully very encouraging to somebody who is a sinner because inevitably uh, it's going to come up and say, someone's going to say, I'm going to go to hell, aren't I? Right now, you have a chance. You, you, I guess you almost have to get political with them. Right now, you have a chance to turn your life around. Let's talk about the king. Let's talk about Jesus, how he saved you. It doesn't have to be a eternity without God. I'm going to die and go to hell. If you change right now, let's change that outlook. You think, whatever you're thinking right now, we can change that. I'm going to read a story real quick. On uh, May, uh, May Day, 1915, anybody remember Bill Dross? You might have heard of him, Bill Dross. Uh, was born at a farm uh, up in New Brunswick, Canada. In his life, he would experience astounding miracles as he fulfilled God's call on his life as a missionary in South America. At 10 years old, he went to a revival and heard... Um, a lady preacher, Maddie Crawford, preached where uh, many repented of their sins. He did not that night. But Bill's parents didn't like that he went down to this revival, went down to this church meeting. His mom did not want her children to be led away by the devil. Now, I'm gonna, I wanted to tell this story because it's personal to me. Uh, I did not know. No, I'm not related. Nothing to do with that. Uh, but it's a, a personal experience that I've experienced not only with myself, but with family members. And still continue even to this day. So they said, you, I don't want you to go to that church because it's of the devil. How, it doesn't even make sense. Right? Five years later, an older friend of Bill's, he, who was a professional boxer named Bless, he went down to a church meeting, and he came out a changed man. But Bill's mom knew how blessed used to be. And he's like, she's like, Bill, you ain't going back. You ain't going there. Because if that, that guy went there, that dirty old guy, criminal-looking guy, bad mug, went there and changed his life, you're not going to. Does that make sense? But that's what we heard. That's what we heard. But Bill couldn't resist. One night he rode his bike 15 miles to a Bible meeting where he was blessed by the testimonies 
the songs, and the worship. So he went back home, and he was a good kid. He told his mom everything. But she said, if you go back, it'll be over my dead body. Don't mention those holy rollers again. Now it's hitting home, right? Pentecostal. They're of the devil, and they've deceived you. Bill prayed that night, and when he asked God for a scripture, you know, he did one of these things. He looked up, oh, clap your hands. All you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And you know what he said? He went, he got super excited, and he said, that's what they were doing tonight. How, how, how did that happen? I read what they were doing tonight. How is that not of God? He had a dream that night. He saw Jesus coming. He saw the faces of the people from the Bible meeting rising in the air to meet Jesus. Awakening, he jumped out of bed quickly. He said, God, take me. So Bill was on his way to discovering what God has done to make it possible for him to experience eternal life. We're going to pick up with Bill's story in just a few minutes. As I mentioned earlier, all have sinned. We're dead in the trespasses and sin. Beginning at Romans 1, 18, Paul showed all people, regardless of status, all people fail. Don't matter where you are, what you do, how many Twitter followers you have, how many Facebook friends, how many millions and billions of dollars or trillions you have in your bank account. You will fail sometime. You have. Whether it's just tripping over something in the morning, trying to get there. Whether it's sinking down a gambling rabbit hole or an alcoholic state. Whether, whatever that may be, some of us fail. Let me rephrase that. All of us fail. I'm sorry. All of us fail. We start out our thinking we're on the right path. How many's ever done that? How many started a job opportunity, uh, an experience, a relationship, but we fell at some point or another? So all are sinners and need a savior. Remember I mentioned universal sinfulness? Universal? Everybody needs a savior. Everybody. If there was aliens from outer space, they need a savior. They do. Because God died for everyone. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned, past tense, and they fall short, present tense, of the glory of God. We've sinned and we continue to fall short, Paul is saying here. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin? As our, we go through our daily life, I plead the blood. I love you, Jesus. Protect me when I get up in the morning. Protect me today, God. I love you. Let me be a light in someone's life. Let me be an encouragement of joy and happiness for someone. Let me help somebody. I'm telling you, God, God honors your faithfulness and your encouraging others. He does. Because there's many times where I needed it and I got it. If you are here this morning and you haven't been cleansed by the blood, there's still time, to, time today. Repent and be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
If you look around this sanctuary and you see everybody here today, and no one's a guest today, there will be guests here later on. And we can talk to them about the Holy Ghost. We can talk to them about being saved, about making right choices, being dead or alive. I'd rather be alive. Paul spoke about the Savior to Romans and uh, Galatians. He made the same point in Galatians uh, 3.22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Even before Jesus' birth, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream explaining what the name of Jesus means. Matthew 1.21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The word Jesus here literally means Yahweh Savior or Jehovah Savior. That's what it was. Jesus was going to save us. Jesus is the Savior of all of those who come to him in faith. And Jesus came to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins. I know um, a few lessons ago and some of the other lessons we've talked about, the first Adam and the last Adam, I want to go into that a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says this, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That is verse 45. But to understand or grasp the importance of it, let's, let's read a couple scriptures ahead and a couple scriptures over. Because overall, part is, is, is kind of defending the reality of the resurrection here, he, uh, which was denied by some in Corinth as well as it's denied nowadays. I mentioned that earlier, continually. I post something on Facebook, I have someone that immediately says it's trash. I remember that when I was a kid. They forced me to do that. They forced me to do this. Did I force my kids to come to church before they were 18? Yeah. I didn't drag them screaming. Nope, didn't hurt them, didn't do anything. Hey, we're going. That's what we did. We went to the grocery store, they came with us. We went to the park, they came with us. Went to church, they came with us. So let's read the scriptures before real quick. First uh, Corinthians 15:42. And you'll, you'll understand the, the, first, the, the, the first man and the last man a little better. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. Adam, Jesus, right? It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And again, let's read 45. So it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Verse 46, Howbeit was that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy, the second man is the Lord from heaven. The key phrase in verse 45 is the last Adam was made a quickening Spirit or a life giving spirit. That's Jesus. 
If we go back to Romans, we can we notice the contrast we said earlier about wages of sin is death. There's a difference between wages and, say, gifts, if you get a gift. We earn wages by the work we do. We do not earn gifts by the work we do. I, yeah, I know somebody might give you uh, something, a gift card or something like that, because you did a good job for them or something like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wages of sin. Now notice the contrast between death and eternal life. The consequence of a sinful behavior is a separation from fellowship with God. Eternal life, which can be described as life forever in God's presence, is a free gift from God. So the wages of sin is that separation from the fellowship of God. But eternal life is a gift from God. As Jesus said on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost is a what? Is a gift. We're going to receive, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is what Paul said. And this is the gospel in its most succinct form, most direct form. Christ came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. To receive the benefit of this good news is vital to believe in Jesus. Genuine faith results in obedience. This obedience is not a work. It is a response of faith. To those who ask on the day of Pentecost, what shall we do? I think we most can quote it. Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost. Life and death, death, Adam and Eve, the last Adam, the first Adam, it does not have to be a sad story for millions of people, for thousands of people, for hundreds of people, for your family. It can be an encouragement that we get to live with Jesus forever. I mentioned I was going to um, come back to the story of Bill Drost. After his dream, remember he saw, he had a dream. And I'm, I'm wrapping it up uh, right now. Uh, and I just felt impressed to say this because, Sister Bruce, I don't know anything about your past and how it was when you first got into church. And some, some people have experienced really bad, horrible experiences when they decided, I'm no longer going to do the things of the world I'm going to live for God, right? And excuse me, but all hell broke loose in the home. And let me get into that in a second. So he, he dreamed, and he ran downstairs to tell his mom. He said, Mom, I want to I talk to you. Do you believe Jesus is going to come back in the clouds? And she replied, because it, it, this is her. This is our parents. They're not good or bad. They raised us. My mom raised me great. I, I, I love the race, and she raised me bad sometimes too. We have talked about this in, 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 in uh, recent uh, months and years and how she says, I, I, I'm so sorry some of, this, of the things, the way I treated the kids, and, and, and she has come to that. But this is just the way it is. This is life, so I'm not sugarcoating anything. His mom says, no, <laughs> when you die, that's when Jesus is going to come back. 
because she didn't understand. She didn't know the resurrection and, and, and anything about the second coming of the Lord. And she said, the coming of the Lord is only death comes and takes us away. And this is, this is straight from his book, uh, the, the story of, about Bill Dross. She, re, uh, she said, uh, when he told her about the dream, he said, poor, she said, poor Willie, you've been deceived. This is just the devil. Try to forget about it. Don't talk to those holy rollers anymore. But the next weekend and 17 miles later on his bike, he was at a meeting again. When the preacher concluded his message, he needed, he, he, Bill knew he needed to come down and come to Jesus. He went to the altar and prayed, Lord, Lord, if you save me, I don't care what happens. I want to be ready for your coming. And whatever you want me to do, I will do it, Lord. At this moment, at, at that same moment, a lady put her hand on his shoulder. Sorry, I'm going to get emotional here. Um, and prayed, Lord, help this boy to believe. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful when I came to the Lord. I had my, my sisters. I had two, you know, Keel, and then my other sister, Ingrid, that came down and, and put their hand on my shoulder and, and prayed for me because I was in a, just a, a turmoil, confusion, what to do, because I knew from previous years how my sisters were treated, how they were talked about from my family. I knew that, and now I'm getting into this. And so I'm so thankful. So this lady put her hand on his shoulder. Lord, help this boy to believe what you've done for him. And that instant, he didn't get the Holy Ghost right there. But, but something gripped him. His faith reached out. He felt a lightning in his, 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 his self, his flesh, his spirit. A freedom from the heaviness, confusion, the conviction that had been pressing on him. You, as Even from the first part of the story I told you in the beginning, you know God was calling him, this man. God is calling him. So on New Year's Eve, Bill prayed another service. He heard a voice saying or to go to another service, go to that meeting. He shared his attention once again with his mother, and, and she, hasn't, she hasn't died yet. But again, she said, over my dead body. I, I'll jump to the end. She didn't die in this because of that. Because you think, okay, God's going to kill her. No, no it, that did not happen. So nevertheless, nevertheless uh, Bill walked through the snow to the service. And the preacher's text was this, Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I remember sitting in Pastor Field's uh, kitchen uh, before I got baptized and saved. I believe it was right before I did. And he quoted, he said, learn these scriptures. Luke 24, 47 through 49. And that repentance and remission shall begin where? In Jerusalem. And so, and this, this guy mentioned this. And the preacher asked, who wants the promise of the Father? Bill went forward and began to speak in other tongues. A language he had never heard. And of course, as time went by, as you know, all Pentecostal kids get in trouble. Before he knew it, he's standing in the kitchen again at 4 a.m. in front of his mom. And she's like, where have you been? Let's stand, and I'll finish the story. He was so excited, and he told her about the meeting. It was wonderful, he said, and boom, he started speaking in tongues in front of her. And, of course, she was shocked and didn't know what to say. But later on, she, she kind of put her old self back on and started to scold him. 
and going over faults and faults of the Pentecostal people. But never again, though, did she ever stop him from going to a, a service, or, and even when he was baptized in the local river. Now I'm going to do a little twist on you guys this morning. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe I've already given up. Isn't it just like the flesh to want to reject what is good? Sometimes when I talked to family members and old friends about God, it's almost, it almost seems like they'd rather me doing something illegal or drugs than getting the Holy Ghost or getting into a church. I'm glad I'm not alone. You know, and maybe that's why God wanted me to say this this morning. Because we're not alone. Some of us went through stuff. Some of us might be still holding on to resentment of the way our parents, of the way our family members treated us. Hopefully we got over that and we have prayed for them. And, hope, and I know some have gotten saved because of that. Because we didn't throw it back and get mad. I realized as I was preparing for this that I, I feel sorry and bad for those who may never experience a real relationship with Jesus, like Bill's mom in this story. Because if they did, they would know the joy and the happiness and the encouragement the Lord shows us every day. Now I'm going to say Pentecost and Pentecostal because I am one. There are so many people that feel like they've been hurt. Now, now you are here, here, and you might know somebody, so you might understand this a little bit better. They, they think and they feel they've been hurt by Pentecost or God or a preacher or a teacher or a minister or a saint. And so they lash out when they're confronted with an apostolic Pentecostal or a Christian. I can just turn to my Facebook page and show you. Some, I, I'm going to tell you this, it's going to get real. I told you I don't sugarcoat. Some might be warranted. Some might be true. But most aren't. I will tell you that. I will tell you that God has never hurt them, and he has never hurt you. Has man? Well, yes. We're flesh just told you about how that old man, Adam, the sin that was in his life. But we need the new man, the glorious man, the resurrected man in our lives, the Holy Spirit. We learn today that although we may have the power of choice, sometimes we choose wrong. And so does other people. The wrong thing to say, the wrong thing to act, the wrong decision. So has someone who is apostolic Pentecostal ever purposely offended or failed or hurt somebody? Yeah, probably, but not many. Not many. And, and I, because I've talked to some that have, that they have ministers and they have purposely and repented and God has forgiven them. And I've talked to some that haven't and they just go on and backslide. Because something else was going on. But you see, our family and our relatives don't understand that. That is not God at all. It's just our choices sometimes. And that's why I think we're here today, and some of us have been offended, or that was put through a hard time, you know, when we were by our parents, that we're still here because we know that's just the flesh. That's not God. That is not God. So people choose wrong. Why? Because they're human. And there's that thing called that flesh. That flesh. The flesh. There's no mistake that we bury that flesh in baptism. The old man is dead. But I will tell you, God has never failed. 
I remind those who I encounter that do have a bad taste in their mouth because of something in their life, whether it's church-related or not, that God will never fail them. Why don't we lift our hands today and thank God for that. Lord, we're so thankful, God. We're so appreciative of everything that you've done in our lives, God. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, that I am the, ch in the, I am in the church. God, that I got the Holy Ghost. God, that you have taken me out of sin. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, mighty God. God bless you. In Jesus' name.